You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. The NBA draft is finally over. We get to talk about the picks that actually took place rather than previewing what we want. There are the takes that are out there. People are angry. People are happy. A little polarizing here, but I don't think it would have happened any other way. We'll talk about it all here today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods and follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. Now to the third overall pick came and went Hornets. Didn't have a chance to get James Wiseman there. Didn't have a chance to get Anthony Edwards there. Anthony Edwards goes one to Minnesota, even after those comments. And James Wiseman goes number two to Golden State, even after Clay Thompson's injury, which kind of threw maybe something into the plans of maybe Golden State would have to call an audible and go with a backcourt player like LaMelo Ball. But they decide to stay home and take the big guy that had been rumored to go them, go to them all along. It's LaMelo Ball. Ball family's in town, baby. What'd you think of the pick, Nada, as we are here today with a new potential face of the franchise at three overall in this year's NBA draft? I, I'm not sure. I'm, am I supposed to be like depressed? I'm, I'm not sure how to feel because depending on who you read, I'm supposed to be depressed, excited, this, that, and the third. I, you guys already know how I feel. This was the guy that I think everybody was overthinking it on. I we, Again, we always say, we want a shot at a star. We want a shot at a star. The Hornets sat there, let the board come to them, and took a shot at a star. And I think, they, I think they've at least hit double. I love what they did. I love that they were patient. I love that they played the game. I love that they used the feet. Like, I love every little bit of it. And if anything, last night was a reminder, even though there are points at this time, uh, there were points that I wasn't, I'm still unsure, but at this point, I, you just got to trust Mitch, man. You got to trust that Mitch Kupchak is running everything in terms of b- basketball operations, that Jordan doesn't necessarily get his way. There were a lot of things last night that made a lot of sense in terms of who's really running this. And most importantly, there's a plan and the plan is very, very flexible. So, again, I don't see how any Hornets fan isn't, like, super excited at this point because what they did made a whole bunch of sense. And, again, I'm just – I'm here for what they're doing even more now because, again, the plan – there's a plan. We understand there's a plan and it all makes sense. I I agree with you that the plan makes sense and what they did last night. I was so happy to see that James Wiseman went number or excuse me, Anthony Edwards went one overall to Minnesota that it wasn't Charlotte picking at number one because there was no package I would have given up. And the pre-draft takes, I thought it was hilarious, not leading up to the NBA draft. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I apologize. I'm trying to, my mic is not working well correctly. So I'm going to try to keep this at a lower volume, but you go going to the NBA draft. It was hilarious to see all of Hornets, Twitter panic 
right into the hours leading up to the draft. It <laughs> yes. was it's hilarious to see it because everybody is starting to fire off different takes than what I had seen before. People are like, well, this is what we have to do. This is the acceptance stage, as you have expressed a couple of times. Like people are like, well, you know, if, if Mitch Kupchak decides to give up this package to go up to number one and he wants his guy, then, you know, so be it. Then we have to just abide by that. Like, first of all, just addressing that take going into the NBA draft, like that is a take that should be the umbrella that surrounds all other takes for any sports draft period. Yes. Your general manager, if confident enough in one individual player should always make sure he goes and gets that guy. You want to be confident. You want your general manager to be confident in whoever that is. And yet we can still disagree with it. Like Mm -hmm. I, I would have, I would have disagreed had Mitch Kupchak given up three and Miles Bridges to move up two spots to go get James Wiseman. And I saw people, well, you know, if that's his guy and he wants to go get it, that's not a bad price. Okay, sure, but you could just wait and take, in this crapshoot draft, take whoever falls to three and not give up an asset because we have no clue what the hell we're talking about. Yeah, if you're confident enough to go get him, then sure. Like, that's that's the case for every single NBA, NFL, MLB draft. So, you know, that's just one thing also, that, that one thing I wanted to say. Another thing is, I'm with you, that it made sense what the Hornets did last night. It made a ton of sense. These were always considered the top three prospects consensus in a consensus way. Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, LaMelo. And the Hornets didn't give up any assets to move up a spot or two, and they took the quote-unquote consolation prize. I don't know how truly they were considering Anyeka Okungwu, but LaMelo Ball was the guy, and I do think he makes sense for this roster. If you just look at how LaMelo fits with everybody else on this team, LaMelo brings size to the backcourt. Devontae is small. Terry, clearly small to run the two, even though we saw both of those guys start once Devontae went on a crazy hot streak at the beginning of the season for those 10 games. Borrego clearly was going to play both of them and start both of them. So now I have to wonder... Who is starting? I know James Brago said he's going to play all three of them at times. I don't know if that means they're starting. I don't know if that means all three of them are finishing lineups. I do know LaMelo has the height to be out there on the court with them and to be out on the court where in any other combination, whether it's Terry or Devontae playing off ball. But I don't want LaMelo running the three. I want LaMelo with the ball in his hands. I think Devontae and Terry can play off ball. They're much better suited playing off ball than what LaMelo is. LaMelo can't shoot. <laughs> like for now him. he can't shoot. Okay, for okay, now. that's and that's fine. Like here's what we're also doing with LaMelo. I like this pick. I put it out on Twitter. Like the, the things that I like about this pick are one, you're right. It it makes sense in just taking one of the top three guys. You're taking someone that has an elite skill already in passing. You're taking someone that does have exceptional vision, somebody that can play the PNR as the ball handler and be really good at that. There are a lot of things to like. There are also a lot of things that scare the hell out of me. And I think we're kind of forgetting about that and just attributing anybody's hate to LaMelo to the fact that he has the ball last name and has LaVar as his dad. When there's legitimate criticism of this dude, like, and, and not, I saw you do this too. Like, I, I think we can separate the criticism of LaMelo and LaVar. Let's call him LaMelo Smith and let's yeah. not have him have LaVar Ball as his dad. Let's have good old John Smith, who's just, you know, nobody that has any notoriety whatsoever. And LaMelo still is the exact same player. There's a lot of problems there with LaMelo. The shots broke, Nada. Like, this isn't Kimba broke coming out of college, too. Like, Kimba actually had a nice stroke and had some mechanics that you thought could be developed even more so. Like, you could see there was potential there. 
Lamelo shot's pretty broke, and 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 I've got problems with that. I'm hoping that he can continue to develop and fix it. The decision making is awful. I'm hoping James Borrego can coach that out of them. And and by all means, Lamelo's attitude looks like he would be willing to do that. Like yeah. I, I think that's good. So you know, I, I think that can all. I think that can all take place where he can continue to develop his, his shot making. I hope that his defense uh, defense can continue to improve. It's troublesome that LaMelo is not good at finishing at the rim. And now you're talking about playing a backcourt in LaMelo and Devante that has potential to be the worst finishing at the rim starting backcourt in all of the NBA. If they continue on the trend they're on, like there are real problems with this, but it's going to be freaking fun. Right. Like, and, and that, and that's awesome to, to, it, it, it might be mind blowingly frustrating at times too. If he continues to make some of the same, you know, decisions, uh, turn the ball. I could see a lot of turnovers from LaMelo. I could see him not finishing at the rim. I could see him go awful, you know, from shooting. If he has some bad shot selections and decides not to make like there, there can be some really frustrating games from him, but there also could be a lot of really fun games where he's looking ahead. He's always looking at a guy running down the court. I'm just saying, like, I, I don't want to come in and shit all over this pick. That's the last thing I want to do yeah. because I, I like LaMelo. It was good. I was a trade back guy, but I'm happy with what the Hornets did last night. And I think it was an absolute fine pick. But I think we're all kind of, hell yeah, going to be a great star. And I was like, all right, well, he's got some shit to work out. Like, there, there's, yeah. there's some stuff that he needs to continue to figure out. And I'm hoping he can. And I trust this coaching staff to do so we don't have to attribute the negative things that he needs to work on to LeVar. Like there are problems all among LaMelo and what he is as a ball player, distinctly a ball player. No, again, you know what? I absolutely agree with you. Um, The thing, like you said, there are a lot of the stuff that, but the one thing I do want to point out is a lot of the stuff that you were pointing out, I would factor into being a bored 19 year old. And I think he's always had, I think he's basically known he was going to be in the league for a very long time. We're talking about a guy that depending on who you, who you trust and who you believe out there has been calling LeBron weak in open runs. He's been waiting for this moment for quite a while. <laughs> I kid you not. Apparently there are stories about this. Like he's been, he's hung with LeBron in these open runs. So if he's going to do this, if he's going to be this kind of kid, he's going to be that brash kid that was basically bored playing in, in Australia and can possibly be a, a savant. I don't see the problem. Granted, are there things that have to be worked out? Yes, but there was no perfect prospect in this draft. That's right. That's there was, right. I there wasn't agree. one. There mm-hmm. wasn't one. And the fact that we're going to act like there was a perfect prospect or that they trade down. I would ask you for who, like, I know your answer, Walker, it would have been Devin Vassell. I get that Devin Vassell. I would have understood, but when we're talking about a guy with star capability and that's all I'm saying, star capability, you had to take the swing. Yeah. And and you know what? That, that totally makes sense to me. Like I I, I'm with you on the star potential that could be there and I'm absolutely cool and even happy. Like there's a lot within me, my, 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 my heart looks at this pick and thinks, Oh my God, this could be crazy exciting. And I get, and I'm crazy tantalized by all of it. My brain, what I see, I worry about all the things that I just pointed out. And I'm thinking, man, this has potential to be a big old bust. And I really hope that doesn't happen. But I also understand that you can't pick with fear in those regards. We, We have done with the 11th and 12th picks, 
the last couple of years, selected what we thought was somewhat safe in Miles, and we thought what was safe with PJ. And I think Miles has probably been less safe than what we thought, and PJ has been more of a stud than what we thought. Yeah. Um, you know, Devontae was the second round pick that has proven to be fantastic. And so we can, you know, go down the second round picks later. I want to give each one of those individual prospects their own show. But with LaMelo, this is the first guy. I would argue Malik had star potential when they took him. You know, like yeah. Malik, when we were looking at him, Malik absolutely had star potential and, and, and you know, just hadn't worked out. The shot hadn't been there. Uh, a couple different problems with Malik. But they haven't gone to the star potential a ton. Yeah. And they did that. And if you want, if you're swinging for the fences, I can't get mad at that. Like if you're like, Hey, we think LaMelo has the best chance to be a star. We know what it is to be a small market team. We need to take these home run swings. I might strike out, but I'm going to put all of my power in every single swing rather than choking up on the bat and just making sure I put it down the third baseline and get a single like, okay, swing with all your might. And if you connect with one, send us home, baby. And let's go and let's go home with a walk-off. I'm down with that. And I do think that's what Mitch Kupchak did. And you know what? It's an easier one to do this year too, right? Like, like this is the year where if you want to take that home run swing and, and okay, if you start to, if you bust and you suck again, and it's not like LaMelo is going to come in and contribute immediately to a winning team, let's suck again, get a higher draft pick in 2021, which is just freaking loaded and has everybody salivating. So I, I walk away. Like I didn't like the Vernon Carey pick. didn't like the Nick Richards pick really like the Grant Riller pick Ooh, at 56. Boy. And I think a lot of people, I, I think, a lot of draft or Hornets Twitter would agree. I, I don't think I'm in the minority there, but we can talk about that later on. Going to be a little bit of a longer pod. Got a lot to recap and um, we'll go to the second segment and continue to discuss LaMelo. First, I want to talk to you guys about Built Go. LaMelo, he's going to have to put on some weight for sure. He's tall. He's got the size. I think he has the frame, but maybe he can take some Built Go, which is the best physical workout gel on the market. It's a five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. Also, they have delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. LaMelo Ball, more recap on the NBA draft and the Charlotte Hornets coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. And the Google description here says on contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades named or numbered, <laughs> B shares Batik of New York, N.B.A. So take that for what you will. That's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? The Yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C minus. Let's get them on. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Did you see that chain Lamella was wearing last night during was that a his press chain? availability? <laughs> was that a Hornets chain? Because that looked like a Hornets chain. Uh, it did look like I couldn't really make make it out too much. Like I didn't know if that was some kind of different logo or if it really was a Hornet chain. I can't imagine that it was a Hornet chain that he was wearing. If like, are you telling me that the Ball family? Like, look. <laughs> if, if any family or any prospect would have this going for them, then it could be LaMelo or the yes. ball family, but Where it can't be like chain. the draft hats that they have on deck, right? Like you're telling me that LaMelo just had a Timberwolves chain and a Warriors chain on deck in case he got drafted by them. 
Probably. Does that really strike you? Like he's 19 and he's been making millions for at least a couple of years. He might've had one of each. I don't necessarily (laughs) blame him. And yo, you know what? That's the kind of foresight that we need on this team, man. Like, look, this dude is like, and when we start talking about this, just not even just on the, on the court stuff on, on the, on and the off court stuff, literally I get it. Like there's a bunch of this that like, it makes a ton of sense when we start doing this. And like, you know, I, again, it's something that we talked about before we um, started recording. And I started thinking about this when we start talking about development and everything else like that, you know, the name that we, cause again, you hear the Jason kid name, you hear the um, magic Johnson, you hear a whole bunch of guys with jump shots that didn't necessarily translate. You know, the one guy that we don't mention a lot when we have these conversations is Sean Livingston. Sean Livingston might be, and again, we're talking about Sean Livingston with two healthy knees and makes a lot of that made a lot of great plays before he blew out both ACLs. The problem that we start having, per se, the problem that we have, or at least the problem I think we have, is that we overthink the jump shot when we have when it comes to Lamelo Ball. If he is big enough and strong enough, and again, he gets stronger to finish at the rim, and he still, and no one still stays in front of him. And he still rebounds his position. That's still a building block piece, even if he's not a star. Like, that's this. I think we're, and that's when I keep saying we overthink this when it comes to LaMelo Ball. We overthink what he can and cannot do. We focus so much on what he can't do. And we're tantalized by what we are, the like, the possibilities that we don't see what's actually there and what actually works for him. Yeah, I, I think I, I think what Lamelo can do, he can handle the ball like a wizard. If if he continues to improve his decision making, and hopefully he'll cut down on the turnovers. And if if that all happens, then that'll be fantastic as far as his passing ability because the vision is is otherworldly. I mean, he sees the court extremely well, and that's so much fun to have a guy that can pass like that. That's going to be so much fun to have. And like I said. I mean, if you were to put him with the Warriors, then yeah, maybe he could set up guys, you know, to shoot. Like I think the Warriors, I think they probably help out a lot of people when it just comes to fit. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I think just you know, the way Steve Kerr can figure stuff out, the way that they have the spacing, even though Clay Thompson's injury could hurt them for sure. I mean, it will hurt them if he's if he if it's real severe. Um, I just I like the fit with the Hornets, especially if they want to play fast. You know who else I kind of like? It's it's funny. Like with with the Zeller family just mm-hmm. being the best family of rim running big guys to ever be born, I actually like Cody with Lamelo. <laughs> you know, I think as the pick and roll guy, yeah. Because literally, yeah. think about this: like Cody's been dying on the vine of not really being able to do much in the pick and roll because, as much as I like Devonte, he's not the best at the pick and roll. And you, and Terry, this was his first year learning this. You have a guy that is natural at pick and roll, and you have a big that is natural. At do at being the pick and roll screener, like Cody could have a like a career renaissance in a contract year, which makes makes it really interesting going into his fine his contract year. Well, and and I you know I, I think Devontae's better at pick and roll than you do. I actually think he's I think he's good, but I, I think just like the rim running side of things, 
Cody is going to run down the other end of the court really quickly and look up like it's Kendall Marshall to Tyler Zeller all over again, except it's LaMelo to Cody. Like that's, yeah. I, I, that would be fun. And we'll see, you know, I, I expect Cody to get traded at this point, just the way that James Borrego handled the five man. Although maybe that's an important thing to talk about. Not a, because the other second round pick that they had, they traded up to go get Nick Richards. They traded yeah. a 2024 second round pick and they gave it to New Orleans as they selected Nick Richards, the big guy out of Kentucky, 6'11", known as kind of the rim runner, maybe rim protector as well, that kind of mold with some athleticism to his name. So, you know, it. I wonder if, man, can you put all of your chips in on your 41st overall pick to hopefully be a big guy of the future, or are they just not done looking for that? Are they going to go try to go on the free agent market and get your Christian Wood, or you know, get someone to fill that role? Because or bring I, back I just, uh, yeah, and, and and but even then, you know, it, yeah. it's not somebody that should be getting significant minutes. Like nope. I'd be cool if Cody was the starter. I just don't have any faith that Borrego wants him to be the starter with the way that he used him last year. So, uh, you know, I, the, the second round picks are going to be interesting. Like it's specific, specifically Nick, uh, Nick Richards. Cause yes. Vernon man, like Vernon's not a five. I mean, I, I just, he's a four and you know, he's not, he's not going to be the rim protector by any means. Yeah. I know that he lost apparently 30 pounds. I almost, yeah. it almost scares me that he lost 30 pounds because he's not going to be anybody that ever takes you off of the dribble. And if you're taking him further away from the basket, all I wanted him to do was shoot better. And if he, if he, you can still shoot and be solid, yeah. but if you're going to be down in the paint, I don't want you to lose weight. Like, yeah, I want you to be more athletic, but may, maybe that that'll help him defensively. What'll be nice. But anyways, yeah. The Vernon Carey thing, man, like it, it, let's just go ahead and give our quick opinion on that. I wasn't a fan of Vernon Carey. I wasn't a fan of Nick Richards. Um, Grant Riller. I did like, if we're just focusing, focusing on the middle two picks, not what did you think of those guys? The middle two picks. Um, I understood the Richards pick. I don't, I still don't understand. I, I still don't understand Vernon Carey. Um, I was told by someone last night that he has been working on his lateral quickness. And if he works at all on his lateral quickness, and if he becomes a shred of a decent defender, it's a pick that works. I get that. I also worry that this is going to be one of those things where Xavier Tillman was right there. And oh yeah, I was. I mean, and if you're to compare it that that way too, I'm totally with you. I mean, going Verdon carry over Xavier Tillman made me pretty angry last night. Um, watching that happen, you know, there there were so many guys that I would have loved to have at 32. Verdon Carey kind of slapped me in the face. I didn't mm -hmm. expect it. Um, you know, Desmond Bain went a couple of picks before, like literally 30 and then got traded. I know that was somebody everybody was really excited about, but you know, Xavier Tillman being right there, who is kind of that undersized five, four type of guy that would have fit the same mold, except defensively, uh, you know, way better than exactly. Vernon Carey. I just, I would have loved that. And I thought like, if you go LaMelo Xavier, then we are skipping, you know, skipping to bed and falling asleep like a baby. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, no, like, no, like that was the thing with like Xavier Tillman was right there for me. And I understand if you're trying to say you can only have so many six, eight guys on a roster and one of them has to play center. And I get that. But if you have a guy that is funk that can functionally rebound, functionally play at six, eight, you have to do it. And the one thing I keep wondering about with all of this is how much did the Lakers affect, how much did the Lakers winning titles 
affect how we look at, at, at rosters again? Like, did they shift the paradigm? Because, again, you saw a team that just won a title with, who is it? Um, with Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, Anthony Davis, if you could, again, was the option to go small at center. So I'm wondering if people are shifting the paradigm again and, and between them and Denver and Miami to an extent, like, are, is the paradigm shifting to where you, again, shooting's nice, but eventually you're going to need to grab a rebound. That's something I do wonder about. It, there's a lot of people in the bad court now, Nada. And, yeah. and, and we, we discussed this clearly, you know, drafting for need is for suckers. You shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Seth Partno might've said that. And I completely agree. Uh, like, yeah, you know, nobody does that, right? Like it's, you know, I mean, maybe people do, I shouldn't say that you shouldn't. And I think most draft Twitter would agree with that, but now here you are with the Hornets where, okay, you have LaMelo ball, you have Terry Rozier on the roster now, which you shouldn't, you know, he could be off very easily. So, you know, feel free to do whatever you want with Terry in this scenario, mm-hmm. but he's on the roster right now. Devonte Graham. Then you have Malik Monk who you and I are still solidly in the Malik Monk fan club. You have Cody Martin, who is also a backcourt player. 56 is our second favorite pick here, Grant Riller, and who was somebody that a lot of people had in the first round. You know, someone someone that can score and, you know, (laughs) the good change of pace. I, I love his ability to finish at the rim so creatively. Like Grant Riller really could do something in this backcourt. So I'm at seven right now, not I'm at seven players mm-hmm. that we've counted that could handle the ball in the backcourt. That could be a part of the team long-term. And even if you get Terry out, that's six already. Like that's a decent amount. Uh, and you know, Caleb, we haven't even thrown in the equation. You know, I, mean, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Caleb is more of a three. Like you do have some two, three hybrids here. Well, basically my question is, what do you think of the backcourt and how it looks different? Who are you feeling the best about going forward? Or and, and do you think this kind of pushes Terry out of the organization a little sooner rather than later? I don't think you still need like you still need experience in the backcourt. Terry's your only experience in the backcourt right now. I don't think he pushes and I don't think Terry gets pushed out. I worry about Malik. Like if you're the if you're Malik, if you're the Martin twins, if you're Kobe Simmons. If again, Dwayne Bacon, as we'll talk about later, already pushed out. Like if you're those guys, you're in a dogfight right now. And low key, you know who I also kind of worry about too? McDaniels. Like Jaden McDaniels is going again. Jalen McDaniels is going to be in a fight for a roster spot this year. There's See, I'm actually not as talent. worried about McDaniel's man. Like, I think I think he's kind of solid. You, you you're just kind of like worried from the two, ver- like getting pushed to the three. Like, what? Why are you worried about McDaniel? I'm worried. I'm worried about McDaniel because again, at some point he's going to have to play. And between there's a logjam at a lot of spots. There's a logjam at the four. I don't think McDaniel's is a three. But where's McDaniel going to get his minutes, or is it going to be in Greensboro again? Like I. I, there's a lot of this that's still up in the air and there's got to be a trade coming. There's got to be a trade coming for some sort of asset because otherwise this roster is too, too young and too cluttered right now. And especially if you're talking about adding a veteran, man, if you think about it, I actually think McDaniels is solid. I think you, you, I think you leave this draft thinking, okay, they drafted a point guard. I like, I mean, there's a little thought to me that thinks maybe Borrego is going to run LaMelo at three, which I would not like, by the way. 
Um, he said as much. He said as much. Yeah. And I know he said he's going to run all three of them together. I I just, which I guess that means LaMelo might be, you know, playing the three. I just Mm -hmm. think if you look at what Jade or what Jalen McDaniels brings to this team, Jalen McDaniels brings something different than Riller, Carey, Richards, and LaMelo. You know, you didn't you didn't draft anybody that's competing with him. Who would be somebody that's competing with him at that kind of spot? You know, you might be looking at a Dwayne Bacon as that two to three and McDaniels more of the three to four, but the Charlotte Hornets reportedly aren't going to extend the qualifying offer to Dwayne Bacon. That's not confirmed as of this recording, but Dwayne Bacon being off of the roster, that only opens up that much more. Like, who are your just solid guys at three? The solid guys, the solid, honestly, the solid guy at three for me right now, that would be probably one of the Martins, Caleb Martin. I'm sorry, Cody Martin. That might be the one guy. And well, yeah, like, so you're talking about, you know, people that, you know, so you go two, three with the Martin twins and then McDaniels is like three, four miles is three, four PJ is four, five, you know, not too many threes in those, right? Like yeah. as far as where I would put, if, if, you know, I'd put Jalen as three and then can play. So I, I like McDaniels a lot either way. I, I just think the backcourt is something that, you know, becomes pretty fascinating as far as, you know, that, that you're talking about dogfight, man. Like you're right about that. Like, I think when you're talking about the backcourt, that's where I think the dogfight is. Yeah, absolutely. And it's literally kick ass or else, because if not, you may not be, you may not have a job. Like Greensboro may not even be an option for you. That's where we're at. Um, Nate Darling also picked up by the Hornets, uh, a good three and D prospect. We'll see if he's somebody that can contribute to with the way the cup check has, you know, like these later guys that have, you know, even back in the Lakers days, they found themselves to be on the roster for a while. You know, who knows? We'll see about Darling as well. I kind of like him as an undrafted free agent pickup. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the draft, just kind of our overall thoughts, plenty of content to get to just throwing up on the mic with all of our thoughts. We'll do more of the throwing up next on the locked on Hornets podcast. This is locked on Hornets. I'm, I'm a little, I listen, hold on I, now. See, uh, I, I, we couldn't just blow by that one well, you had because this is what frustrates me. You know, I'm uh, under the weather. You know I'm not at 100% right now, and you're you're just taking it to me. You're like one of these people that knew Nick Batum had a hand injury, and they were just slapping his hand because it's like we're gonna get, we're gonna knock this guy's hand because we know he's injured, and that's what you're doing to me right now. But I just want to say, Sam, if you're listening, you're more than a numbers guy. You have heart, you have soul, you have agency. You are a person. Love you, Sam. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. The rest of the draft, not when we're looking at it. So is there anything, I, I know you wouldn't have done anything differently with LaMelo. Um, no. What were some of the other interesting just draft takes that you had? Just real quickly, you know, for people that want some second round takes, we're going to uh, dive in individual episodes, one episode on Nick Richards, or at least, you know, two segments of an episode on Richards, on Carrie, on some of these guys, yeah. maybe even LaMelo. I'll give you another one, certainly when to talk about the third overall pick. But, you know, not what were some of the other takeaways that you had when watching the NBA drafts as far as your winners, losers, and overall takeaways? Um, can we talk about Zeke Naji's mom? Let's start with that. Let's, 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 <laughs> yes. let's start with I that. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> so real quickly, yes, we can. Because what, what you did last night on Twitter <laughs> was you put out, I can't believe I'm seeing what I think, or like, I can't be seeing what I think I'm seeing. And I knew immediately, Nada, I knew immediately what you were talking about. And that's when I made that cryptic response, not knowing it would be the best tease of all time. Not knowing <laughs> that everybody would, like, we have people say, record now. 
what are you talking about? Question marks. That would be the greatest tease. And I felt like a little <laughs> bit of a tool not responding to people. Like I was no. like, well, I thought about like saying it's a tease, but they're going to hear it on the podcast. We always appreciate everybody for listening. And so here you have it. But yes, please talk about Zeke Naji's mom. <sighs> um, I, I need to say this for our um, Caucasian brethren. <laughs> Even if you are married into the family, can I can I just recommend that if someone offers you a kente cloth dress and you happen to be somewhere out in public where there may be people taking cameras and pictures and everything else, please do not wear this. Please just just politely decline. It, it's it's the sign of just doing too much, Walker. Like yeah. like li- literally like there again. My girlfriend is white. She would never. I, I would never allow her to wear a kente cloth dress ever. So that's the thing. I mean, clearly the family was all decked out and yes. you have, to, and, and clearly she didn't just put that on because <laughs> she liked it or whatever. I mean, clearly that was uh, the family saying here, put this on, right? Like, so, so on behalf yes. of asking for white people, are, are you saying we just decline Nada? like we just have to decline that and say, Nope, I'm good. I'm just going to wear my regular old white people clothes. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because again, otherwise you get accused of cultural appropriation, and we know how, where that goes. Either yeah. that, or you become a meme, and what, and that's what <laughs> her mom. That's what, unfortunately, that's what his mom became. His mom became a meme last night, and uh-huh. that's never again. The internet never forgets, and you know who will never forget that as well. Me. That was horrifying. I was. Uh, just, what's funny is to see. Like I immediately thought the same thing. And what was funny was to see your response. And I was like, yep. And you, I mean, you know me, I I texted you right away. I was like, it had to be about that. And you're like, yep, absolutely. It was about that. Um, I, I, it's hilarious, but I'm glad we got this figured out because look, it, it, this could be confusing for white people, like white people not, might not know what to do if they are around a whole bunch of black people and they are wearing that cloth and they are given the permission, Hey, wear this. And you still have to like, look, I, I'm just wanting to make sure that white people have all of the information they need next time that anybody might endure that experience. Thank you, Nada for teaching us. Um, you're, you're welcome. We needed that. We needed that. If you take nothing from this podcast, white people, make sure you take that from this podcast. <laughs> and I will now deny that if it's ever offered to me from any of my black Please. friends, even even if they Please. say, no, it's okay. Seriously. Like, look, I appreciate it. Thank you for doing whatever you're doing, but I'm just going to have to deny this. Um, I will say this too, like other takeaways, man, you know, poor ESPN, God bless them because I know the undertaking that they had it was not a good broadcast last no, night. It wasn't. Jay Billis was making fun of the way that they were set up on the Dan Levitard show. He said like they felt like lonely businessman at a bar waiting for the waiter or waitress to come serve them. And it was like just the, that's what he felt like. I think of it as not a, the scene in Men in Black where nobody has a table to fill out their application to become a member of the Men in Black. Like, yeah, no, no, it was bad. It was it, like I felt I felt so like the problem I think I had the most with it is if you're going to hire, like if you're going to hire Mike Smith, you're going to hire draft express, you're going to hire all yes. those guys, use them. You did. I don't yeah, want to see, absolutely. I don't want to see Jay will. I don't want, I honestly, and I like Jay Billis. I wouldn't have cared to see Jay Billis either. Th- that was so, a draft where uh, again, yeah. you had experts use them. The broadcast could have been so much better. And I almost wish there was an alternative outside of NBA TV. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. Like, 
I, I love Jay Billis, man. I think he's an excellent college basketball analyst. And, you know, even he was talking about this on the Dan Levitard show, just like with the way that the NBA is heading, he's discussed how much trouble he's having, you know, trying to evaluate everything that's going on in the NBA as we transition. You know, like he said, he was really surprised to see Azabuki taken at 27th overall by the Jazz. Like, he was like, well, what, you know, what's going on here? Like, you know, like he's trying to figure out, he's like, you know, if this is a draft five years ago, then James Wiseman is clearly the number one overall pick because of everything that he can do. And that's just not the case anymore. Um, you know, Mike Schmitz, I was, I, I, like, not even Gavoni, who is mm-hmm. off doing stuff for ESPN Plus, like, you know, he's out of sight, out of mind. But Mike Schmitz is right there in front of your face, not saying anything. And Reese yeah. Davis would go to Jay Billis first, then he would go to Jay Will, and then he would go to Mike Schmitz. And it was uncomfortable because clearly Schmitz knows more than them. Yeah. I don't mind hearing Jay Billis, even though I think he said some things that I really didn't agree with. Jay Will was saying, you know, crazy stuff all night. I'm, yeah, that didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, what I am, what I will give credit to is Malika Andrews having to deal with all of those Yo. technical problems and still holding it down. That had to be tough as hell. And there were not too many mess ups from Malika. Awkward exchanges, but not because of her doing. Like I, I, I felt bad for Malika. Like Malika, here's the thing. That's one thing I think we do take from the draft is that Malika Andrews has next. Like Malika Andrews is the next great reporter that ESPN has, and they're going to cultivate her talent, and she's going to be awesome. She's the ESPN answer to Taylor Rooks. That's how good she is. And again, I I was impressed with her because there's a lot of that from behind the scenes that made me nervous. And the fact that she wasn't nervous and the fact that she handled it the way it was, like that was really, really awesome on her part. Another funny thing I want to mention from some of the draft parties that we saw you know, the, the ball draft party, you know, it, it speaks for itself on every yes. count. Um, the, <laughs> the Zeke Naji draft party was, was awesome as we just discussed, mm-hmm. but another moment I want to talk about is Anyeka Kongwu's draft party where one, he's got the Mountain Dew all over the place. Yes. Um, I thought that was funny, but also it was a really touching moment. Like a Kongwu as, as well as a lot of other prospects, they were moved to emotions. I think people, Mm-hmm. You know, like seeing that, what was funny to me was when a Kung Wu was talking to Malika, you know, saying everything that he was thankful for and whatever. And you could hear his mom whisper. Did you hear this, Nada? Did no. you hear what his mom whispered? His mom whispered. And, and I don't know if she was just kind of uttering it under her breath and just saying, you know, just kind of speaking out loud. Right. Or if she was saying this as a command, but she whispered and the mic picked it up. Thank God. Like I thought she was saying to Anyeka, you better praise your God right now. Like you can thank me, you can thank everybody else, but you better thank God. And what's funny is Anyeka heard that and then he ran with it. And he was like, and of course I want to thank, I want to thank God for all this. Like, I just want to know, was that a command or was that her just basically saying her version of amen to whatever was being said by Anyeka? And that that, that, that that was was, a funny moment. That was the former. That was the former. That was (laughs) absolutely a former. Because again, you probably know that they, she probably had a conversation with him about this. She probably had a conversation. Remember when you have this, when you have your big speech, because we know you're going in the top in in the lottery. This is again, you thank everybody in order. And I have to remind you. And again, everybody has that mom where they remind somebody again, their mom will remind them of something to do before, right before they do it. And sometimes they're caught on camera. She was caught on camera. 
Like, literally, there was so much to America's last night. We didn't even get to Spike Lee at Cole Anthony's party. Oh, my God. We got to so much to America. Like, to America's was, you know, to America's shot a flare last night with those draft reactions. A lot of things to talk about. I just want to mention one other thing as far as some of the winners. One, Nada, the Grizzlies continue to do things that I absolutely love every single time. Like, you know, getting, I believe they got Desmond Bain last night after the Celtics selected him. Then they send him to the Grizzlies. And I believe they got Xavier Tillman too, if I'm not mistaken. They did. And they got Killian Tilly on an undrafted free agent deal. Yeah. Like drafting him in the second round was always going to be worrisome. But if you get him as a undrafted free agent, then you're right. Like that's just, uh, I I really like just picking him up just to see. I thought that was really good. Um, yeah, Xavier Tillman, I'm just making sure he was drafted by the Kings, but then he was uh, traded, traded to the Grizzlies. So I, I love what the Grizzlies did. Not, I got to tell you, the biggest winner last night was Philadelphia. Um, Man. Having Tyrese Maxey fall to them, steal. You know we love us some Isaiah Joe. We thought he was going to be taken before the Hornets could select him at 32. Steal at 49. Mm-hmm. Getting off of Al Horford's contract mm-hmm. for the price that they did to go and get some shooting and defense and Danny green. I thought that was a really good move for them. You know, the Josh Richardson trade, you get Seth Curry. He's a great shooter and I like his fit with that team. So I like getting Seth Curry. I thought that was really good. You know, the Josh Richardson thing, like, I think he proved to not quite be a good enough shooter. He was really good defensively still. Like, not not quite good enough of a shooter and, and, and ball handler, and I get that. You know, part of me sees that and thinks, oh, okay, well, man, like, y- you lost value on that. Like, getting Butler in exchange for, you know, getting Richardson in exchange for Butler and then kind of selling to Seth Curry. I like Seth Curry. I think he fits well with that roster. And you take a loss. I don't think it's huge. So that one kind of made me, you know, shrug my shoulders a little bit. But overall, Nada, I thought Philadelphia, if you were to ask me who is the team you point to and say, that's the big winner, I point to Daryl Morey and the Philadelphia 76ers. Let me put it this way. I actually believe in the Sixers now. I believe that the Sixers have a squad. I The one thing that they didn't have enough of was outside shooting. What did Daryl Morey do? He just cleared the lane for Embiid. He cleared the lane for Simmons, and he gave Simmons an option. You could have Embiid and four shooters at one time, and you could have Simmons and four shooters at one time. And you can like literally load manage Embiid now. At this point, Philly is a very, very dangerous team. I am very, very tempted to put them over Milwaukee right now. That's how much I believe in them. I want to put, I, I, again, if I, you had to give me a preseason ranking of the Eastern Conference, I'd put New Jersey at one, but I put Philly at two. How about that trade last night? I, the Pistons, man, you know, Killian Tilly, or not Killian Tilly, Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes. Yeah, I, I've always been a little bit down on Killian. Uh, you know, I, the the lack of athleticism scares me. But now that you got him, and I believe they got Isaiah Stewart too. And Sadiq um, Bay. And Sadiq Bay. Yeah, you know, Sadiq Bay can shoot. I like Sadiq Bay. Isaiah Stewart, I thought was awful the pick mm-hmm. to, to go that high. And, and, you know, like just, just kind of lack of athleticism. I don't know. Like they, they get rid of Luke Kennard, who I actually thought was pretty good. Um, you know, I think we toyed with him in a, a trade back scenario. Like, could you get a Kennard and seven mm. and, and maybe something? Uh, I don't know for three and whatever, like that's something I toyed with, but instead you see Shamit on the move, you see Kennard on the move. So, you know, I thought Detroit was did some interesting stuff, but Denny Avdia falling to Washington, I thought was good. 
um, for Washington. Where does he play? Because again, now you got a problem with him and Hachimura. Yeah, I still, I still like that pick though. Like if Avdia going there, and I'm with you, but I, I understand. But uh, Avdia being there at nine, I thought that was a good move to just go ahead and pick him up. And you already know, man, the Spurs getting Vassell and Trey Jones. I mean, dude, the Spurs, Spurs do Spurs moves. Like (laughs) the Spurs just do Spurs moves. Like it was either like here's the thing, they were either going to get some, they were either going to get like Devin. Or they're going to trade up and get Patrick Williams, which shout out to West Charlotte and Patrick Williams. Like that is such a huge thing for them. Um, also surprised Devon Dotson didn't get drafted. He ends up with Chicago just like Patrick does. So two local Charlotte prospects, they go to the Chicago Bulls after the Bulls picked Devon Dotson up, not going, uh, not getting drafted. I thought that was something that was interesting. Did not see that coming. So we have a bunch to talk about. We'll try to tie up the loose ends tomorrow and uh, maybe do a little bit more in-depth analysis on LaMelo in some cases. But I, I still, I mean, I want to talk a little bit more. You know, the, this was a lot of fun to recap the NBA draft. That wraps up of this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for listening. As always, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA. They're putting a bunch of great content out there as well. Have a great day. We'll be back with you.